and welcome to episode two of the Turning to Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lines, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about a bunch of free agent signings that have happened over the past week. Uh, some big names, some not so big names, but names are getting moved. We have a pretty big trade that also happened, but uh, let's just dive right into it. Uh, and we'll start off with some news about the New York Mets. And unfortunately for the Mets, it's not looking any good. Uh, Kodai Senga, their ace, is hitting the IL with a shoulder strain, and he will be out for at least a month. This uh, this is pretty hard for Mets fans. I'm I'm pretty sad for Mets fans. Uh, this is pretty hard to look at. Senga, last year in his rookie season after coming over from Japan, uh, he posted a 2.98 ERA, which is absolutely fantastic, especially for his first year in the bigs. Uh, he had a 29.1% strikeout rate along with an 11% walk weight. Uh, th- this is, this is a big, this is a big, uh, big deal for, uh, Mets fans. Uh, this is, this is, this is something that's going to hurt for Mets fans. Uh, caught with the injury bug again. And with a guy that could even be a Cy Young contender this season, even on this Mets roster, which they're dealing with a lot of flip around. They're dealing with a lot of prospects, uh, likely getting moved and dealing with a lot of starters likely getting moved. Uh, this is a hard situation to be in. It really is, especially when your ace, your starter, your kind of go-to guy goes down with a pretty big injury that hopefully doesn't turn into anything worse. But it looks like it's just it started out as just shoulder fatigue, uh, based off of the reports I have read. Um, so he probably came into spring training, you know, arm was a little sore after a couple bullpen sessions, and it probably escalated into okay, this might be something a little more significant and a strain. Uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it probably just means he needs some rest and stuff. But as of right now, that is definitely something that you don't want to see, uh, especially this early into spring training. You know, we're just starting our, after our first week of games, which, by the way, can I just say, I have been loving watching baseball again basically every day. Uh, it's my go-to, you know, after I get done with class. Uh, I just turn on MLB TV. Bam, I'm watching some game. Bunch of high schoolers I've never heard of are probably playing against each other, but it's great. I love spring training. I love baseball being back. It's awesome. Uh, before we get into our main segment, which will be just talking about um, some free agent signings and stuff, we had a pretty decent, uh, decently big trade happen. Uh, I, th- I believe it was Monday. Yeah, Monday. Um, and this one kind of comes out of nowhere, but the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers have traded Manuel Margot. To the Twins for big-time shortstop prospect Noah Miller, uh, Noah Miller, and six million dollars. And right after this trade happens, the Dodgers uh, sign Kike Hernandez to a one-year deal. That is a pretty big uh, news bomb to drop in the middle of spring training, or in the beginning of spring training, I should say. Uh, let's break this down, and uh, once we break it down, we'll get into some free agent signings. Um, Dodgers trading Manuel Margot. Manuel Margot was a pretty big piece of part of that uh, Gla- uh, Tyler Glasnow trade the Dodgers made uh, earlier in the winter. Um, trading for Glasnow, you know, top of the rotation guy. They immediately extend Glasnow on his contract. I believe he got around $150 million, I believe, for five years. So pretty big and healthy contract for Glasnow. And Margot was not obviously the headliner in this trade, but he's a pretty big and well-known name. Uh, in that twin system, you know, he was a not not twin system, excuse me, uh, from the Rays system, uh, big time outfielder was a starter for the Rays pretty much all the time. There was some uh, difficulty with his exit velo. However, everyone thought, all right, Dodgers, 
just another outfielder, but this guy's probably going to rake for the Dodgers. Um, and then you trade Manuel Margot for Noah Miller. Uh, and the $6 million in cash is probably just to offset uh, Margot's contract, which the Twins are trying not to take on a whole lot of money right now. So the Dodgers are probably happy with just sending some of that $6 million for the Margot contract. Um, so looking at Margot's numbers, eight, this year he's going to be making $12 million. Uh, last season, Margot batted... Uh, 264. He got on base uh, with a 310 average. Uh, his WRC plus was 93, and he had 0.4 WAR. So it was a little bit of a down year uh, on his year last year. However, this year he's projected to have a 266 batting average, a 320 on base, uh, and a 0.8 WAR. Uh, so he's gonna be a solid, serviceable outfield bat for the Twins. And the Twins needed some depth, and Margot definitely gives you that depth. So overall, I think it was a pretty big. Uh, get for the twins however something that should not go over the heads of people is um the dodgers getting one of the top prospects in the twin system noah miller uh no noah miller is disgusting uh if you look him up on youtube or anywhere he's dirty he's one of the most solid fielders i've seen come out of a draft in a long time and a lot of times you can uh, have guys that say oh i'm a, like whenever you draft an infielder i should say out of the draft uh everyone's always a shortstop Hardly ever do you see, oh, I'm a second baseman or I'm a third baseman. No, everyone's always a shortstop. And then once they get drafted, they get turned into either the third baseman, second baseman, or even an outfielder. Like positionally, like shortstop is just the more th most athletic kind of guy. So when you have someone drafted as a shortstop, you really don't know where he's going to play unless you see pure athleticism from them. And sometimes that can be pretty rare that you find a true shortstop. Noah Miller is a true shortstop. This kid uh insane incredible defense has a lot of power in his bat has some good exit velo can spray it all over the ballpark i believe he is a lefty um so in like two or three years time i expect noah miller to be pretty high up on the dodgers prospect list uh because that's what the dodgers do they develop they can develop the crap out of anybody and i guarantee you noah miller is going to be next in line for that very uh that very scenario uh, however, I think the big and most interesting part of this trade and why this trade even happened was the Dodgers signing Kike Hernandez to a one-year deal. Uh, Kike, last year, he was on two teams. Uh, he ended with the, he ended, uh, the season with the Dodgers last year. Um, very interesting get for the Dodgers. I won't lie. Very interesting get. But they know what they're getting in Kike. Kike can play every single position. He can bat every spot in the lineup. Uh, this year, he's projected to have a 335 average. So the average has definitely gone down from what we're used to. He's projected to have a 0.5 war. Last year, he had a negative 1.3 war. Not good at all. But this year, he's projected to have a 0.5 war and an 87 WRC+. Plus. Uh, I would not be surprised if those numbers go up just based off of, like, what the Dodgers are able to do with him. You know, like, the Dodgers know him. They know the system and everything like that. So I would not wouldn't at all be surprised if, uh, those numbers bounce up a little bit for Kike. Um, but they get a utility guy. Kike is one of the like few guys in the MLB that's an ultra utility guy that you know that you can put in every single position and you will get solid defense from that position. Uh, so I think that's a pretty big get for the Dodgers. It's a backup for an outfielder. It's a backup for an infielder. Hey, if Gavin Lux goes down again, you have Kike Hernandez there for any position you might need. Hey, if you have a corner outfielder that goes down, James Ottman goes down or something like that, you can put Kike out in center field and he'll play a serviceable center field. Now, the bat is something you will have to worry about. However, going back to an organization for the third time in your career, they know you. They know you really, really well. 
Uh, so I have no doubt that the Dodgers will probably be thriving with Kike. Kike is probably very, very happy to be back. I won't lie. But the fact that these uh, moves were within the same like 10 minutes of each other, that the news broke, uh, makes me think that this was a, hey, we'll sign you, Kike, if we can get this uh, trade done. And they got the trade done, and they signed Kike probably right after or even before that happening. Uh, so those are pretty big news, uh, not on the free agent side of things that happened in this last week. Very interesting moves. They really, really were. Uh, both, I think both were pretty good, solid uh, for each team. And I think Kike signing a contract with the Dodgers, which goes down as one of our free agent signings of the day. I think that's a, a pretty solid uh, contract with them. I've not seen a disclosed amount of money yet, uh, but if I do, I'll put that article in the description below and stuff. But very interesting moves. We got a lot of other moves coming up. Uh, and after the short break, we will look back onto other free agents that have signed and even an extension that happened, which I'm very, very excited to talk about. An extension happened also in the week that I think is good for baseball. I think it's a great extension for baseball. So we'll get we'll talk about that when we come back. All right, we are back. Now, let's talk about some free agent signings. Some pretty big names in free agent signings. It's not just nobodies. It's not just minor league contracts. It's some actual pretty big names. And to start with that, uh, we'll start talking about Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson was a very, very interesting name going into the free agency this year because we're talking about a guy that had a couple of fantastic seasons, a fantastic shortstop season, a fantastic defender, fantastic offensive numbers, and then last year completely fell off the face of the earth and left him with pretty much no suitors going to free agency, but he just signed with the Miami Marlins on a one-year contract. Uh, one-year $5 million contract. Most of that is incentives. Uh, so he can earn up, I think, to probably about $8 million in incentives too this season, depending on how he plays. Definitely a bounce-back contract with it only being one year. However, I think this is what Tim Anderson needs. And what I mean by that is looking back on his stats, Tim Anderson, it's it's incredible. We've talked about Cody Bellinger recently too, about some of his fall-offs. Tim Anderson is going to need to be studied someday. I'll tell you what. It's uh, it's pretty incredible what has happened in his career. But in 2020, it was kind of a breakout season for Tim Anderson. Same with 2019. It was, all right, this guy is on the block. He looks like a really good part of this young core that those Chicago White Sox had. In 2019, he batted three, uh, 335, which is really good batting average in, I believe, looking at it now, uh, five, uh, 518 plate appearances. So that's an everyday player about. Just about an everyday player batting 335. Uh, he had a 4.5 WAR that season in 2019. 2020, all definitely some all like take what you will with 2020 with it uh, being a shortened season stuff. Still batted 322, 2.4 WAR. 2021, 300 uh, 309 batting average. That's still very very solid. His K rates throughout all these are all in the 20s. So I think he had 21%, 22%, now 21% again. Very low. Uh, and in 2022, he had one of his better seasons. He batted 301 with a 15% strikeout rate. 15% strikeout rate. That's very, very small. He did only have uh, 351 plate appearances, so definitely significantly shorter. I believe he was hurt for a, a good amount of that. Uh, his uh, war was 2.0 in 2022. 2023, 
batting average of 245, WRC plus of 60, and a negative 0.5 war. That's bad, people. That that's a uh, that's quite bad, especially for a player that is of uh, T- Tim Anderson's stature. That's a uh, that's pretty rough right there. Um, how that happened, I have no idea. Um, the Chicago White Sox are a team where you really don't have like in the last couple of years, like they were primed to be. Hey, this might be a World Series contender for the AL for the next several seasons with that young core they had of Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, Juan Moncada, Dylan Cease, G- Lucas Giolito as, as pitchers. It did not work out that way. And last year, I think, was a sp- specific, uh, really, really specific uh, example of that because you saw Tim Anderson, a good leader, a fiery guy who plays with some energy, a solid uh, shortstop, um, kind of just lose touch with who he is as a baseball player. And it's really, really sad to see, uh, and especially on his like last year of a contract, because now he's stuck. Uh, you know, he goes to the Marlins on a one-year deal. Hopefully he does bounce back and make he makes all that money that uh, is uh, incentivized to him. Because I want to see Tim Anderson on a good team. You know, I'm not saying the Marlins aren't. I can 100% see the Marlins and Tim Anderson uh, really have a great bounce-up year. Uh, I mean, like Tim Anderson and uh, Luisa Rice turning double plays in the middle infield for the Marlins, I think that's great. Awesome. But I want to see Tim Anderson at that level that he was playing before. Uh, so I am happy for Tim Anderson. I think that's good that he got that contract. Good that he is going somewhere at least somewhat competitive. I think the Marlins maybe could be a playoff team this year. I talked about that last week on the uh, uh, podcast episode last week. So uh, really good. Um contract i think uh definitely low but it kind of plays at like all right if you play better and you play what we are used to you playing at uh his money will definitely go up which i think is i think is pretty good so uh yeah moving on from tim anderson we also had Gio urshela sign a very similar contract with the tigers it was a one year one and a half million dollar contract i think this one was also pretty incentivized and Gio urshela after playing for the angels last season uh he had 228 plate appearances, two only had two home runs, but had a uh, 299 batting average and a .4 WAR. Uh, he turned into an everyday player for the Angels last year. He really, really did. Uh, didn't start the year with them. Didn't start. I don't think he. I don't believe he started in the uh, in the majors uh, at least. Uh, spent some time in the minor leagues. I think he also spent some time hurt, but eventually became their everyday third baseman when Anthony Rendon went down with an injury. Uh, this is good for the Tigers. It gives them depth. Uh, that's that's really what this move is, is a depth move. However, I think this can turn out to be, all right, Gio's an everyday player, and he becomes a pretty big part of this roster. You know, you get a veteran on the team. He's 32 years old, only making uh, $1.5 million this year. So I really do think that this becomes a pretty good contract for the Tigers, a uh, good contract for Gio. There definitely is a chance that Gio gets traded uh the trade deadline with this contract it's a very tradable contract which i think was definitely in the cards for the tigers when they were you know looking at their free agent money and saying all right like who should we go out and get uh so i think this is a tradable contract which i don't think is a bad thing for geo and i don't think it's a bad thing for the tigers because it probably would be tigers getting something like definitely something of value in return and geo probably going to a uh pretty good contender in the ml uh in the league um which I think can be good for both sides, really. So 
Gio was another free agent that got signed. And let's now talk about a pretty big uh, extension that happened that I think is really awesome. And then we'll get to our pretty much our main topic of today. It's been just a informational day on the pod today, uh, which I, I always like because it means stuff's going on, stuff's moving around. Uh, but Mitch Keller, the ace and the starting pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller and the Pirates agreed to a five-year extension worth $77 million. That's a 15.4 AAV, and now Mitch Keller is not a free agent until 2029. So this buys out, I think, uh, Keller had four remaining years of his uh, arbitration. So it buys out his arbitration years and adds another year for only $77 million. I, I wrote three things on my notes when I was looking at this because I thought that this was a very, very interesting contract with Keller and for the Pirates because the Pirates are a team that don't does not spend money. But this is them investing in their young guys. And I think that's really good. So I wrote down, good for him, good for the Pirates, great for baseball. And let me explain that real quick. I think the Pirates finally investing in some of their young guys is a great sign for baseball. Because the Pirates have always been seen as cheap, trading away big contracts, not wanting to sign the big free agent. And a lot of that's fair because they've been rebuilding their team, rebuilding their farm system, and a lot of that stuff. However, with the Pirates now buying into one of their young guys in Mitch Keller, and a lot of this was also probably to avoid arbitration years where Mitch Keller could possibly be making more than that $15 million slot value that he's now going to be making per year. I think that that commitment to be having him on your team is a great sign. And because it's so easy, I think, for the Pirates to trade Mitch Keller to a big-time contender like the Dodgers, like the Braves, like the Yankees, like one of the big teams, and I think Mitch Keller would really thrive in that. However, them investing in Mitch Keller and saying, hey, you're going to be on our team for at least five more years is a really, really solid thing from the Pirates' point of view because they're, in, like, like I said, they're investing in their young guys. They want these guys around. They see that their window is going to be around the five-year mark, which with Paul Skeens as one of the big-time pitchers coming up in the minor leagues, I completely agree with that. They have a lot of pieces there. And this is, I think, the first of many big moves that are going to happen with the Pirates where they truly invest in their young guys and they go out and get more guys and they start spending a little bit more money and you see really a core of guys coming around. We saw them spend $10 million on a roll of this Chapman for a one-year deal. That's something the Pirates have typically not done. However, is that probably a move where you do trade Chapman at the deadline and hopefully offload a lot of his contract and get more prospects? Yes. Yes, it is. However, I think that's a really good deal, and it's a really good sign that the Pirates are finally investing in a lot of their uh, young guys. But let's get uh, to some Mitch Keller stats real quick. Last year he had a 4.21 ERA, but in the first half, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. He started, uh, he was the starting pitcher for the National League in the All-Star game. Mitch Keller was incredible. Had a little bit of a fall off in the second half, but the first half was really, really solid. I expect him to have a, probably a sub-4 ERA this year, if not even a sub-3.5 ERA this year. Like That's a pretty big jump, but I can see it happening. He also doesn't walk guys. He has a twenty. He had a 25% uh, strikeout rate last year with only a 6.7% walk rate. I think that's only going to improve. Mitch Keller's a really good young stud. He can throw the ball real well. He can whip it kind of anywhere he wants to uh, place it. Uh, I think this is a really good deal. I think this is a really good deal for Mitch. It's guaranteeing him uh, money for the next five years. It's guaranteeing him a home for the next five years. 
Uh, and it's a good sign. If anyone in the Pirates organization is now looking at this deal, they're really, really happy with it. They're really happy with what this is telling them for what they can expect in the future. This is a really good sign of saying, hey, our window is going to open. And also, like I said, this is a commitment to the future. However, if the Pirates really, really wanted to, they could still trade Mitch Keller for this uh, with this contract, and they would be perfectly fine. They really would. They really, really would. This is a very tradable contract if you were to make that decision. Now, I don't think the Pirates necessarily will, especially in the first three years of this deal. But something to keep an eye on. If, like, three or four years down the road, Pirates window has not come yet, they need to restart some stuff, revalue some assets, this is a deal that can be easily traded. So I think this is a win for all sides. Mitch Keller gets his money well before he was going to. I believe his arbitration would have started next season, maybe even this season. So this is this is a really good deal. And it makes me happy to see the Pirates spending money. It really, really does. Uh, so that was a really big time deal that came out of uh, last week. Kind of unexpected out of nowhere because you don't really expect the, uh, the uh, Pirates to really make moves like that. Uh, like big time investing money spending moves. Um, so I was really happy with it when I saw it. I was really, really happy with it. Immediately wrote it down. I was like, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast because it makes me happy. It's an investment into the t- player. It's an investment into the team. It's a really good sign for everything to come for Mitch Keller and for the Pirates. All right. So finally, our big topic of today is a big time Boris free agent has finally signed. And his name is Cody Bellinger. This was, I think, one of the big dominoes that everyone was waiting to fall down. And it went exactly how I think everyone else thought it would go down. Uh, Cody Bellinger and the uh, Chicago Cubs agreed to a three-year, $80 million contract. Uh, it's structured very, very interestingly. So I'll, I'll point it out like this. It includes an opt-out after the first two seasons. So kind of to paint a picture for you, it goes $30 million, opt-out. $30 million, opt-out. $20 million on his final year of his deal. So it was 30, opt out 30, opt out $20 million remaining on his contract. Um, so a three-year $80 million deal. I think this just comes down to Cody did not see anything on the market that he or Boris wanted. So he went with a pretty similar structured contract as he did last year. However, this year it gives Bellinger some security and it's not an insane number where the Cubs would say, eh, we're feeling comfortable with this. Because these aren't team opt-outs. These are Cody Bellinger can opt-out. So say he has an all-star season this year. That'd be for the second season in a row, he has really, really good numbers. He could probably opt-out again. This could turn in, I, it would not shock me at all if this is just a one-year deal. But I wrote a lot of other feelings on this because I think this is... This really opens a lot of doors, and it shows a lot of, I think, what free agency was like this season. Because what was negotiations like with Bellinger and other teams? If this is what he decided on with the Cubs, I think it's only, I think the Cubs were the only team to even offer him a contract, to be honest. And that news hasn't come out at all, but it would not at all shock me if this is the only, the only piece or the only contract he was offered sincerely or if there was an offer that was a little bit lower then Cody was like, all right well let's make it a bigger number overall and add it's a third year or something like that because I think this is all that teams would even be willing to offer him is just another one-year deal but Cody probably wanted more security and if he struggled again he could stay with the contract and something like that 
And the Cubs, they know him. They had him last year, and he was very, very good last year. I won't do all the stats because uh, we've done a lot of Cody Bellinger stats on the podcast, but um, 2023, Bellinger had a 307 average, very solid, 4.1 war, really, really solid. He had a 356 on base percentage, a 525 slugging percentage, um, and a 134 WRC+. plus. This is coming after three straight really, really bad seasons. From 2020 to 2022, he batted 339, 165, and 210. These are not good numbers, people. These are pretty bad numbers. And this is after he was an MVP, uh, multi-time All-Star, home run derby runner-up to Aaron Judge. Um, like, Cody Bellinger has kind of been there, done that guy. But he fell off a lot. And I think a lot of teams were really, really nervous on, hey, I don't know if we can fully commit all of the money and all of the years that you want. All, every player wants to be on a good team, a lot of money, and a lot of security to know that you're not going to have to move all the time, all that. Bellinger, I think, because of his recent struggles, still has not earned that yet. So this is a pretty big fallback contract, and it really, really sets the table for Blake Snell, Matt Chapman, uh, Jordan Montgomery, all the other guys that have not signed yet. And we are almost, by the time this episode airs, a full week into spring training games. Not just practices, but games. And I think that's I think that's something to keep an eye on. I would not at all be surprised if we see a pretty similar-looking contract for Matt Chapman. And I would not surprise me at all if Chapman even goes to like a random team that no one even would have thought of he's... Like, no one even would have considered him going to for, like, a two-year deal. I'd be okay with it. I think there's a lot of concerns with Matt Chapman, you know. The 30-year-old who uh, has some hip issues, his defense is, well, really, really good, is declining slowly. And he's been flaky with the bats, really, since 2019. So I think there's a lot of concerns and a lot of things that they got to look at with Matt Chapman, just as they looked at with Cody Bellinger. So I bet Matt Chapman is pretty similar to this where it has a bunch of opt-outs, team and player opt-outs involved in the contract. But I saw this and I was scratching my head because really my first thought was, what did other teams look like? Was this a last resort? And what is the likelihood that this does turn out to be a one-year deal? And I think that likelihood is sky high. Because I think teams, as of this year, there's a lot of question marks on teams' media rights deals. So what does what does that mean? It means that like with Bali Sports going underground and like like being bankrupt, and you saw a lot of teams have to get picked up by MLB TV last season uh, for Bali Sports because they were missing their payments and they couldn't pay teams. So teams like the Diamondbacks, like the Padres, the Padres had to trade Juan Soto because of all of this, and this is after they've signed guys to over a billion dollars combined in Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis Jr. You have a lot of teams that have dug themselves holes, and they don't want to fall into that again because there's a lot of uncertainty about the future. There's a lot of uncertainty about the future. There really, really is. So if I'm Cody, if I'm Matt Chapman, if I'm any big-time free agent, Blake Snell, I'm looking at this, and I'm getting concerned. Because right now you're at the point where you might take anything that you can get. Because teams aren't even offering contracts. 
Blake Snell has been offered one contract back in January, and he didn't take it, has not been offered a contract since. And the day of recording this is February 28th. It will be March 1st by the time this podcast airs, and Blake Snell probably would not have been signed by anybody. So I think Scott Boris is really almost hurting his clients. He really, really is. I think this is a big talking point in the MLB right now. This is a huge talking point. Because what's right now happening with a bunch of media deals is teams are not committed to selling or to buying big-time players and giving up that money because they don't know where their most of their income is going to come next year. A lot of teams are uh, experimenting with different type of streaming platforms. The, the Diamondbacks just offered a $100 total package for all Diamondback games this season. For one team, it would be on MLB TV, and for just the Diamondbacks, it's $100 a year per person. And I think a lot of people would pay that because it's going to be less than what you're paying for cable, what you're paying for MLB TV, a, a lot of other stuff. So I'm very interested to see what other teams do with this money that is so in question right now. There's a there's a lot of question marks going on in the media world and the money world for teams, and players are feeling the wrath of that. And these big-time Scott Boris clients, and Scott Boris is known to always fight out these teams, and he always wins in the end. That's the big saying. Is Scott Boris always wins in the end, no matter what. But if I'm a Scott Boris client right now, if I'm Matt Chapman, if I'm... Blake Snell, if I'm Jordan Montgomery, I'm concerned. I'm looking around right now, and I'm really, really scared. Because you don't know what your future is going to be. You want to settle for a not great team. If the goal is always to win World Series and win championships, it's not like, I don't know if those big-time teams are going to pay you. Because either they have already have your position field or they don't have a need for you, or... A team like the San Diego Padres found themselves in so much trouble after trading for all these guys with big money and signing all these guys with big money, and now they don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. They had to train Juan Soto to the New York Yankees to offload money for his contract. Juan Soto. Certified Hall of Famer Juan Soto. And the Yankees said, sure, we'll take him. We know where our money's coming from. Yes, network's huge. Bali Sports bankrupt can't pay you so a lot of these teams are wondering where they're like where the future of their ball club is going to go and i think this cody ballinger contract proves all of that and yeah if next season he thinks it's going to be a better market he can opt out but if he opts out after this year i can 1000 percent see this all happening again next year if not even more with more teams not knowing where their money is coming from next year it's very interesting. It's a very big problem in the MLB. It's really, really big. It's a big problem for owners, and it's not fun if you're the fans because we want to see guys get these awesome contracts. We want to see players get the money that they deserve. We want to see them go to fun teams, not just create these super teams, which has been kind of the, the norm over the last couple off seasons. So this Cody Bellinger contract to me, to wrap up this last segment, it, it really, 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 really alters the rest of the offseason based off of money. Because, yeah, $80 million is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But the structure of it really says that there's a lot of concern long-term with money, even for the Cubs, but also for Bellinger and his play style. And if you're Matt Chapman and 
I think Matt Chapman can be honest in saying that, yeah, after last April, he had a fantastic start to the season. He dropped off the face of the earth and only batted, I think, 240 for the rest of the season. Or less than, because I think his batting average finished at 240. There's a lot of concern. There's a whole lot of concern. And, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the offseason looks like. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to it. I know the audio wasn't the best today. I'm recording this on my laptop instead of at the normal podcast studio. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. Please grow the show. Please share it to everybody you can. Uh, shout it from the rooftops, if you know what I mean. Uh, but regarding the show's future, uh, it looks like the show will also be going and be getting aired live on the KRNU 90.3 KRNU radio station in Nebraska. So that's not confirmed yet. That's not for certain yet. But it does look like that's going to be more and more of a possibility. So I'll alert you guys on that. That might mean that publishing times change from Fridays to Thursdays. But as of right now, every Friday at 8 in the morning central, this podcast will be dropping. Uh, I love doing it. I really do. Uh, This is great. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh,